Welcome to episode 154 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. Having used Lightroom 2 for just over a month now, I figured I'd talk today about some of the features. Uh, we'll touch on most of the n- new features that I'm aware of, and I'm not going to give a comprehensive view of everything. Um, you know, we can see a list of new features on Adobe's website, and there are plenty of uh, other tutorials out there that will uh, give you a, you know a much better look at the the new features, uh, much better than I can do. And so there's no use really inventing the reinventing the wheel. Uh, rather though, I'm going to concentrate on the areas uh, or the new features that I'm finding exciting, and just touch on the other stuff that I've noticed, um, and not go into so much detail in, in some on some of the areas. So let's get right into it. The first thing that I was really pleased about, although this won't affect everybody, is that uh, Lightroom 2 comes with both comes in both the 32-bit and the 64-bit version now. Uh, because I'm using a, a version of well, I'm using the 64-bit version of Windows Vista. Uh, this is great for me. Um, I, I have eight gigabytes of RAM installed, so Lightroom can now effectively grab as much of that RAM. Uh, or much more of the RAM uh, on my machine than it uh, than it used to be able to, and so you know that's that's what I thought was going to be um, a big plus. To be honest, uh, it was actually a little bit disappointing uh, because if anything, Lightroom Two is actually a little bit slower than Lightroom One Point Four was uh, running on the same system, and it's still very fast. And now that I've gotten used to the difference, it the I don't even notice the difference, but. Um, it was a little bit disappointing initially uh, when I found that it, it, it wasn't, um, there was no real improvement there. I'm looking forward to uh, some performance tweaks in the minor updates that we'll likely see in the coming months and will hopefully uh, really benefit from having lots of RAM and the uh, the 64-bit architecture. The first thing that jumped out at me um, from the new UI was the library filter bar at the top of the grid view in the library. Now we can uh, we can click on text, attribute, metadata, or none to filter out uh, our images from the you know the the folders or collections of images that we have selected or just drives and things. Um, you know, select your you select where you want to start from, and then you, you know you can click on these attributes um, or these text links. Uh, the first one is text. It's uh, basically this allows us to simply Type in some uh, some text as you might imagine, and then it will simply search the images uh, for uh, file names, keywords, captions, uh, searchable net- metadata, and things that have uh, those characters that you've just input in the in those uh, places. You can um, change the logic so that we can search for images that do or do not contain the sp- uh, specific text. Uh, they can start with it, end with it, or contain all of it. Um, you know, I, I'm actually, uh, I, I imagine that's pretty much like a, it has to be a total match, but I haven't really played with that, to be honest. Um, the attribute tab allows us to list files based on their flag, rating, or color label. Another nice touch is being able to select only the master files or virtual copies, as well as both, of course. 
Um, I use virtual copies quite extensively, but as I don't um, always want to see them all, you know, they, they, you double up everything or triple whatever if you've got multiple virtual copies. And so I don't want to always uh, see them in my list. So just selecting the master files is useful here. I also save virtual copies of everything that I print with the slight adjustments that we often have to make um, to get the print to look like the original. So I can now find them more easily uh, just by looking for virtual copies. I actually put them all into a collection uh, called simply virtual copies for print. And you know, so this isn't really a big deal, but having another way to easily search for these is nice to have. I love the metadata tab in the library filter. In here, you can select multiple criteria to fine tune your selection, such as the date, the camera, uh, that you use to shoot the image, the lens that you used, um, as well as labels and keywords. You can add more columns and add things like, or or just change the, uh, you know, the um, the target of the columns that you already have. And there are things like uh, flash state, the serial number of the camera, the aperture used, or the ISO. Lots of lots of things in the pull down there. This is really great for drilling down as well as um, analyzing your images to see which gear and settings that you use the most or the least for that matter. The non tab, um, by the way, just takes away all of the filters that you've um, been using. And so it just shows all of the images in the selected library directory or collection that you that you have selected. Another thing that I was very happy to see is support for network drives and offline drives. Now, if you have uh, an external USB drive or a Firewire drive or something or a network storage device, you can store your images on that and then import them into Lightroom 2 in that location. And then when the drive's offline, uh, this, this used to kind of work before, but now Lightroom will uh, gracefully show you the, 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 you know, the drive is offline. Uh, it knows all about that and you know, you're not pulling the wool over anybody's eyes. And, you know, it just shows you the thumbnails or anything that it has cached. If you want to work on the files, of course, you have to get the the uh, the device plugged back in or turn it on. But it's still useful to be able to see where stuff is. I find this particularly useful as I started to store some of my images, not all, uh, but some of my images on some network storage so that I can access it from my laptop as well as um, the main computer. But also it means that I can access access it from the laptop when the main computer is not on. So, you know, that, that helps. And basically now, you know, even if it's offline, I can still, uh, from the laptop, I can still see where see what I have. Um, and, you know, I don't want to actually copy all of these files to the laptop, though. You know, the, the uh, hard drive in the laptop, although pretty big for, for, a, for a portable machine, it's, I think it's 300 gigabytes. Um, so that's, you know, that's still pretty big, but I want to keep it as free as possible for uh, storing images that I shoot when I'm out on the road. So I really don't want to store a, a big um, library of, of images on there. The next thing that I was excited about, um, and remember that these are, these are just my views and not necessarily what other people are going to think exciting about uh, Lightroom 2. Um, but one of the things uh, in the order that I found them uh, to be pretty cool was the, the post-crop vignettes. I mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago in episode 151 when I spoke about a client pet shoot that I did in July. 
Uh, basically, in Lightroom 1, when you added a, a vignette to an image for effect, basically darkening down the corners, bringing the viewer's attention to the subject, you would uh, lose some of that vignette if you cropped the image because it was applied to the whole image and not the cropped area. Now, though, um, you can apply the vignette to the cropped area um, as well, you know, if you prefer. Both are still available. Uh, they're in the develop mode on the right-hand side, in, in the right pane there. Um, you can also adjust the roundness and feathering of the vignette, which I think is um, is very nice touch. The mid the midpoints there still. Um, I think that was that was there before. Um, basically, though, there's a lot more control over the effect. I I don't really I didn't really use this much in Lightroom One because I didn't like the uh, restriction of you know not being able to uh, carry that over into the crop. Um, not that I crop every image, but you know it was just one of those things that I knew I'd probably forget, and so I didn't really ever get used to using it. The keyword list has moved over to the right pane um, in the library module. We also now have some powerful keywording tools. Lightroom 2 will give us a list of the most recent nine words, uh, nine keywords that we've used. This means that if you're keywording similar files, you can simply click the keyword to add add it to the image. Uh, or a group of images and if the image selected already contains the keyword it will be highlighted so you can click it to remove it from that image if you want to. We also have other presets um, you know rather than the the latest um, keywords and basically um, you know we can what we can do here is and uh, this is probably actually the most important thing here in my mind we can create our own keyword presets um, there seems to be more presets everywhere in Lightroom too. Uh, it's always been good for this, but it seems to be much better now. Um, so what we can do is here in the keywords is create um, a batches of keywords, say nature photography, wildlife, birds. Um, we could create uh, one, you know, for client work, say, or for street photography, and yeah, as well as locations. You could make a list of all of the locations that you go to a lot, and. Basically, this uh, it just makes it easier to add. You know, you just select your preset, and there are all your keywords. And then you can just sort of click on the button, and you're adding keywords much more easily and and quicker than before. Uh, here's an, another real biggie that I've found to be incredibly useful, and this is one of the things that people have been raving about uh, since the beta. Um, remember that I I mentioned in the past that I only use Photoshop when I need to work on a part of an image rather than the entire image, which is what Lightroom uh, couldn't do before. Well, now Lightroom 2 has the ability to perform local adjustments. This means that it, you know, if, you, if just a part of the image is a little too dark or too bright, for example, you will be able to use Lightroom now to go in and change just that area without affecting the rest of the image. Just go to the develop module and click on the adjustment brush in the right uh, top right corner or hit the K button on your keyboard and you'll see the various options that uh, you can work with listed below. Uh, by default, you get a bunch of pluses and minus buttons um, to, the, uh, to the right of the type of effect that you'll apply. I prefer to hit the little toggle button, uh, toggle switch at the top right of the adjustments panel though. Uh, so that basically shows sliders for each effect. This way you can not only fine-tune the amount of each effect, um, but you can actually apply multiple effects at the same time. And 
So from the top here, we have exposure, brightness, contrast, saturation, clarity, and sharpness sliders. Each of these does exactly what it says on the box. Uh, so I'm not going to go into detail. The last option here is color, which um, it's just like a little, a little block of color that you click to get a palette and you can then select a color from there or some of the presets. And this is um, what, what this can actually do. It can be used to paint in um, different color over certain areas of your image. To adjust the size of the paintbrush uh, that you're going to paint with, you can hit the square brackets on your keyboard. This is the same as uh, Photoshop and, and as, as before for, say, things like the, um, the, the, dust and, the dust removal tool, things like that. Uh, but just for, for thoroughness, uh, you, know, you can hit that, those little square brackets to um, increase the size of the brush. Uh, or you can use the sliders in the brush panel uh, below the effect sliders. And uh, a nice touch here is that you can actually define options for two separate brushes, brush A and B. And there's an erase brush as well, uh, which you can also adjust. So there's a slider there as well to adjust the size of the brush. And below that, we have a feather, flow, and density slider. Well, three separate sliders. Uh, the feather, again, will uh, select how quickly the effect fades off. And the flow affects how quickly the effect is applied. If you set the flow to, say, 50, you can paint the effect onto an image more gradually. And, you know, so that basically the longer you um, you paint, the more, uh, you know, the more of that effect gets applied. Um, the density defines just as the name implies, you know, how densely the effect is applied. The most useful part of this, this section in my mind, though, is the auto mask checkbox. If you turn this on, Lightroom will automatically detect the lines between obviously different parts of the image. And um, you basically, you know, if you, if you uh, keep the, the little plus sign, the plus symbol that is in the center of the brush in one part of the image, it won't flow over into the other one if there's an obvious line there. And this is incredibly useful if you want to adjust just part of your image and protect the others. It's literally just like masking them out. Um, say you're spray painting a car, if any of you have ever done anything like this or painting a window or something, you put the old masking tape in there and it just prevents the, the paint from spilling over into that. It's like having the ability to automatically mask out the things that you, that you don't want to paint and it really is uh, it's very useful. For a really good look at how it works, um, I suggest you know the, all of these um, local adjustments have been covered in one of uh, you know my fellow Photocast Network podcasters, John Arnold's uh, podcast. If you if you want to listen to this or view, he does uh, excellent videos. Um, I suggest you take a look at the photowalkthrough.com website, and basically you can subscribe to this in iTunes as well. Um, and John went into great detail uh, on the local adjustments or the adjustments tool in episode 75 to 79 of the uh, Photo Walkthrough podcast. Uh, John gives a great rundown of, of how they're all used with, you know, visual, like I say, video, um, kind of like a tutorial. Uh, so it's, it's a great thing to look at. And if you're interested in seeing um, a lot of the other stuff that I'm going to be talking about today as well, 
uh, just watch right through to episode 84 because John's just completed two weeks um, of Lightroom 2 quick tips and it's really incredibly useful. covers many of the areas that I won't touch on today. Um, and this is one of the things that I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go into much detail on any, much of this because there's much better resources out there to, to, uh, to look at for this. Uh, don't hit the stop button right now, though, um, on this podcast, because I'm going to talk, uh, continue now and go into some of the things that John uh, hasn't covered yet and don't know if he will either. Another new tool that I uh, can uh, that you can find on the uh, left of the adjustment brush, and this is this is one of the things that John's covered as well, uh, is the graduate graduated filter. Uh, access this tool with the M key on your keyboard, and this is very much like a graduated neutral density filter that uh, you can use when you're shooting with, uh, you know, a physical filter. And basically that fits on the front of the lens and it, it reduces the darkness without adjusting the color of um, part of the scene. And you generally have this soft graduated edge that you align with, say, the horizon or you know, whatever it is that, you, that uh, separates the light and the dark parts of your scene. The thing is that uh, Lightroom, now in Lightroom, you can just totally adjust where you place it. You can do this with the filter, obviously, but you can do it intuitively after the after the event. Um, you can also, though, change how soft or hard the graduation is, and you can tilt and turn it around and just play, play with it and see uh, how the effect um, changes your image. You move it up and down uh, to your heart's content. You, of course, uh, can use multiple filters. This is something that gets a little bit more tricky in camera. And uh, you can not only uh, darken uh, like a neutral density filter, but you can use, say, the exposure or the brightness controls to brighten as well. And you have all of the other options that we mentioned earlier uh, that we were talking about with the adjustment brush. Uh, so that's exposure, brightness, contrast, saturation, clarity, sharpness. And you can select a color as well. So you can um, effectively use colored graduated filters to say warm up a sky or just about anything that you can dream up. It's great stuff. Let's jump back to the library module again, briefly to talk about uh, a few other new additions there. Uh, firstly, uh, the spray can. That uh, used to be spraying keywords. Uh, I don't remember if there was anything else, but you used to be able to spray keywords uh, onto various images in your grid view. And it now has a pull down that contains labels, flags, ratings, metadata, settings and rotation in addition to keywords. The last option is one that I really like, and that is the target uh, collection option. If you right-click one of the collections that you created to store images, you know, the, the collections that you have your images logically grouped in, and then select Set as Target Collection from the right-click or the context menu uh, for that collection, then the Target Collection Spray Brush um, basically will just throw the images that, you're, that you spray into that collection. So it's, it's really just a... A, a very easy way for making a quick selection. If you roll over something um, that is already in the selection, the spray can changes to an eraser so you can remove them just as easily. Um, I think there's the potential to be just spraying away and actually remove something that you didn't mean to as well, but 
Um, I've, I've not really played with this enough yet to see if that's a danger. The other new feature related to this is smart collections. And smart collections allow you to define criteria such as the number of stars that you, you, know, you rated your images with and add them automatically. Uh, Lightroom gives you a head start with a, a group of predefined collections for images that are, uh, say, colored red, have five stars, have been added in the past month, have been recently modified, and uh, one last one that again I really like is one that lists all images that have no keywords. This is obviously going to be really useful if you've not yet caught up on your keywording as you can just go back and select this smart selection when you have some spare time and use the new powerful Lightroom 2 keywording options to give them some keywords that will help you define them further down the road when you've totally forgotten where you put them. There's something that um, I'd missed until I watched John's photo walkthrough uh, vi video, and that is the new snapshots feature. Until now, I've uh, I've been experimenting with images, and I just wanted to um, just save off uh, just one copy at a given point. And in, until now, I would always just save a virtual copy, and you know, that's that's still an acceptable way of doing it. But from now on, um, the need for this is going to be much less because you can save a snapshot of the of that image at that point in the left pane uh, of the develop module. And it really just saves all of the changes that you've made to an image at that point. And um, you can name, you know, you name the snapshot. Uh, so you could be making, say, a black and white version of an image, for example. And sometimes you, you know, you want to, you think that you've got it right, you think you've got it as best as you can, but you want to play with the sliders some more to see if you can improve on it. And, you know, you could create a snapshot here and then do that, uh, that little bit more playing. And if you improve on the image even more, you could go back and discard the snapshot. If you find that you don't like what you've done, you could uh, go back to, uh, to your original snapshot and uh, either settle for that or continue to piddle around with it again until you get uh, something that you like. And this has got to be easier than like hitting Control Z or whatever to to go back because you never know quite where you you know which point you were you were happy with before. Um, and it's it's got to be easier than using virtual um, virtual copies as well. So you know I think I'm going to be using this a lot more, not just for this, but I'm I'm sure there are many other times when this is going to be useful and you know you'll always have the import snapshot there as well by default so that you can go back to the image as it was when you imported it some people will be happy to see the um well i guess including me and um, will be happy to see the multi-monitor support that's included in lightroom 2 i personally right now i used to but i don't have multiple monitors anymore um or not that i use all the time uh, since I bought a 24-inch a wide display a few months ago, I, I actually don't have room for a second monitor at the moment on my tiny little desk in the corner of our apartment here in Tokyo. Um, if there comes a time when I have more desk space again, uh, well, not again, but when I get more desk space, I'll definitely be hooking up my old second monitor, though. So, um, you know, the, it's something that I, I, I do look forward to being able to use. Um, for now, 
I had a play with this um, through using my TV, which is actually hooked up as a second monitor on my computer, but I just don't use it all the time as one. Um, and I really like the way you can sort of, uh, the first thing I noticed is that you can lock the second screen down to a certain image. Um, and I noticed this from uh, a right click, again, the context menu option, which is just lock to second monitor. And then what that does, you know, it, it basically, you, if you say you're, you look at, you're in the grid view, um, you can do this from pretty much anywhere, I think. But say you're in the grid view, you can you can select that and lock that image to the second monitor. And then you can continue to work through and keep that one up and then compare it to other things. Um, once you have that second window open, you can change the mode from locked, which, uh, as I say, keeps the original uh, selected image open no matter what you do in the main window. Um, you can change that to live, uh, which displays whatever you select or even rollover uh, in the grid view or, or in the thumbnail strip at the bottom of the uh, main window. Or you can select normal viewing, uh, which just shows you the ones that you select and not just roll over. Um, on the left of that, the bar on the top of the second monitor window, you can also select between grid, loop, uh, compare, survey, and slideshow. If you go to the grid view, for example, um, you can use that to select the images that get displayed in the main window. Uh, so you're kind of pushing content back from the second window now to the first. Um, and I can see that this is this is a really um, excellent way. If I had two monitors, I would use the probably use the main window um, for viewing the uh, you know the the image, but then keep the grid view up on the on the uh, second monitor to basically go through and make large make selections from a from the, the larger batch there. Um, you can hide or show this second window um, in any mode using the buttons uh, to the left of the thumbnail bar at the bottom of the screen. And this is, again, all, all good stuff if you're using multiple monitors. Moving along, I couldn't see uh, a lot that had changed in the slideshow mo uh, module, but one nice touch is the ability to now add an intro and an ending screen. Um, this is nice to be able to just sort of throw up a logo or a bit of text introducing the slideshow. Uh, skipping over the print module for now, I couldn't see a lot new in the web module either. I don't know if it's just that I, I missed it in Lightroom 1, uh, but I, you know, one thing is I like the way that you can easily select um, the, the size of the grid in the HTML menu now. Uh, it might have been there before, but I just it, it wasn't obvious to me before. Um, there's probably other stuff, but uh, I, I maybe didn't use the web module as much in Light, Lightroom 1 um, as I've been doing recent more recently, so I didn't really notice anything else. Let's take a look at the print module now. Um, you probably already know that I love printing, so I was pretty interested to see what had changed in the print module. And it turns out that there wasn't really a lot that had obviously changed. The first thing I noticed was the addition of a media type under the print sharpening option. This allows um, you to select a matte or glossy, uh, obviously for the type of paper that you're going to be printing to, which is a nice touch as matte paper generally re requires more sharpening than gloss. So Lightroom will now deal with that for us automatically. The other thing that I noticed is the addition of the ability to create print packages. 
and I haven't played with this a lot yet, but I I feel this this um, you know might be uh, maybe a much more powerful tool than I'm currently thinking. But basically, um, you can add many different different size versions of an image, and you sort of move them around on the page, ready for printing. And one area that I can think of straight off the bat that this might be um, useful for would be like uh, in the past uh, a person has uh, requested multiple sizes of the same image and I might not always have that paper size available so I'll I'll print them out on a on a larger piece of paper um, and then sort of cut them out uh, with a, a cutting knife or you know like a one of those blades um, and this that that works but with this feature I could uh, specify all of the sizes that I need very easily and then hit the auto layout button to have Lightroom put all of those prints into the most efficient sort of pattern on the page and then print it out to, to trim and if you add too many prints here by the way Lightroom will just automatically add a second page or a third I imagine uh, to accommodate all of your prints there's also um, the ability to add cut guides which is um, obviously that's going to add lines to the page to uh, show you, you know, where you need to align your rule when you're going to be trimming these uh, prints, or if you're using a guillotine or something, you know, these are all going to help to to trim the photos uh, nicely. I can imagine that this um, this functionality is going to be good for creating a single page to show clients the various sizes that we can create for them as well. A uh, few last things that uh, I can think of before we finish are support for larger files than before. Some of my very large panoramas could never be imported into Lightroom 1 because it didn't support such big files. Now Lightroom 2 supports up to 65,000 pixels wide or long and up to 512 megapixels so that should keep most of us pretty happy at least until around the time that Lightroom 3 comes out. Collections are now available from all modules um, so if you have your images in collections, you don't have to go back to the library module to select the images that you want to work on. There are also uh, more output options, including better output sharpening options from, from um, the exporting panel. We can um, now select different sharpening for output, for screen, and matte or gloss printing. And of course, select the amount of sharpening that we do as well. This to me is especially useful when resizing during output. Uh, you know, obviously when you resize images, they get soft if you don't do anything to them. So uh, if, if you want to output, say, a bunch of low resolution images to send to friends or maybe to a client, you uh, before you had to sort of crank up Photoshop and load them in there and run a Smart Sharpen or an Unsharp Mask. But now you can do this in output and you basically just you know you select the size that you want to resize to and then apply the sharpening for screen uh, right there and so you're ready to go as soon as you've export, uh, exported the files. To begin with uh, I didn't think that there was um, enough stuff, enough new stuff in Lightroom to warrant the $100 upgrade especially as I was not seeing any improvements in the speed or performance uh, from the 64-bit architecture and you know really that that was for me to begin with I was not not so convinced that it was really a full upgrade uh, having used it for over a month now I'm very happy with it 
it's it is a full upgrade worth uh worthy of uh, of a hundred dollars and i'm enjoying my time in lightroom more and more as i get used to version 2 all in all lightroom has continued to build on the original premise that is it's it's built with the needs of serious hobbyists and professional photographers in mind they have continued to listen to feedback it seems from the users and incorporating what makes sense into the product if you haven't tried Lightroom um, but wonder what if it really is as good as I say it is, go to the Light to the Adobe website, and um, I had to consciously say Adobe then because they say Adobe in Japan. So um, I'm trying to I'm trying to make this uh, as comfortable an experience for you as possible. So go to the Adobe website, and uh, it's, it's like Nikon, isn't it? Nikon and Nikon. Um, we say Nikon in Japan, so. Anyway, stop before I start rambling on that. Um, go to the Adobe website and download the trial version. It's actually the full version and will be 100% fully functional for 30 days after you install it. Use it for a month and uh, I can guarantee you that if you are the sort of user that benefits from these features, you'll buy a license and make it part of your workflow. If you if you don't find that, you know, if you really give it a try and you find that you don't like it, that's great too, you know, you, you've lost nothing it hasn't cost you anything um so you know now it's really it's not just part of my workflow i would say it's 98 percent of it um all of my photographic processing revolves around lightroom from transferring my files to to the computer right the way through uh, the you know the majority of the post processing for many of the images and then right on to out outputting web galleries to share with uh, clients or Printing my images for sale that uh, you know people buy uh, very kindly uh, buy from around the world, and I uh, I only use Photoshop now to add a frame to upline to upload to my online gallery. I used to use uh, Photoshop for local adjustments, obviously, but now they're in uh, in uh, Lightroom, and the surprising to me, at least, addition of the auto mask. Um, has really just taken this to a, a, a totally new level. So I reckon I'll be in Photoshop even less now than ever. I I dare, I dare say, you know, I'll, I'll never not buy Photoshop. I'll never not use Photoshop totally. There's probably always going to be a few things that, that we need it for. And even with me that, um, you know, that doesn't do a lot of um, playing around with images, I, I don't mind that. You know, it's a different product. It has different... Um, aims and different um, objectives so you know that that's good too we'll probably stick to both and it it would be good i think uh, if at some point there was a a cheaper upgrade um for people that have both lightroom and photoshop you know the upgrade prices are not uh, not extortionate it's, it's not a big deal um but when you imagine the amount of overlap that we're gradually seeing here it would be nice if there was some sort of a package where you could get one or both a little bit cheaper um, if you own the other. Um, for now, though, um, just continues to get better and better. And I hope you've enjoyed uh, listening to some of the main or the key areas that I'm finding exciting in the, the latest version. So a lot of words there with little visual feedback, uh, but like I said, there's there's a lot of great tutorials on Lightroom 2 out there, including the ones that I mentioned from John Arnold at photowalkthrough.com, 
and there's a host of material on the Adobe Adobe caught myself out again there Adobe website um, it's easy enough to find um, there's obviously a lot of other stuff on the web as well and some great books coming out now um, I'll put a link to the Lightroom page in the show notes uh, just you know so that you can you can take a look if you're interested uh, but like I say it really is easy, easy enough to find um, one final note that I uh, I've just turned on the voting system for the shadows assignment in the mvpgalleries.com website uh, yesterday and so that means voting is now on until the end of Sunday the 21st of September and there are many truly amazing photos in the assignment album so even if you didn't participate please do come along and take a look if you have uh, time to vote then remember that you do have to be a member of the mbpgalleries.com website to be and, and to be logged in and uh, also remember that the account is separate from the main martinbaileyphotography.com website too so you have to sign up twice unfortunately if you haven't already done so thanks to all of you that have uploaded images by the way you've really outdone yourselves again and it's a pleasure to look through the gallery that's it for today though and I hope you've enjoyed listening to what I'm excited about in Lightroom 2 and I'll be back next week with more Martin Bailey photography you have a great week whatever you do bye bye photocastnetwork.com your photography resource in the potosphere photocastnetwork.com